Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths. This is the first Sunday in a long time that somebody hasn't told me something absolutely terrible right before I stayed up here. So I'm praising the Lord. I, I'm sure there's tons of terrible stuff going on, but I, I got some joy. Um, first, our session met yesterday. Thank you so much for praying as a team, as a, as a church for our leadership team. We came out with a visioning page or where we're going. Like we define who we are, where we're going. We got a whole new thing we're going to roll out. We still, we're praying over it. We're bathing in prayer until we vote on it next session. But we, it was fun. Marcia, did you have fun? I did. I did too. So she was there. This is clerk session. Anywho, join the party. Okay. Nominating committee is meeting and batting around names. If you want to be a part of if you walk in here and say, oh, I don't like this about this place. Well, I don't like this. Consider, is God calling you to that? Are you supposed to fix what you're complaining about in your head? Just have that rolling around. Talk to anybody on the nominating committee. Boom. Uh, second thing, this Sunday, today, right now, in your orders of worship, there's a deacon's fund envelope. Um, this this money goes straight to the least and the lost. And so, enough said. If you want to... Um, I was worried about all this church politics. I think it was Tuesday. Um, what was going on? I had a morning meeting. I had a morning meeting with Presbytery on Zoom. So I came in at 10, and Nora said, we've had seven people come to the door. You can't hear me? Do you need to get it here? Okay, maybe I'll stop mumbling. What about that, Philip? Yeah, everybody's like, that's good. Finally, the pastor's getting to his senses. I think it was, it was, it was Monday. It was last Monday. And Nora said seven people came to the door asking for lunches between 9 and 10 a.m. And three of them ate the lunch right at our church door. Um, there's just a growing need, a growing population of people without houses. And so keep that in mind. Um, and later in the, after the service, put it in the offering plate. Um, for those of you at home, you can come by the office or have a, we'll mail you one of these deacons' funds envelopes and just ask for it at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. Um, this is really important. Uh, not all this stuff is really important. Third, it's not in here in the front of this thing, but last week we got a sheet about... Troop 339 is having, via Troop 339 and University of Michigan's Alumni Association, next Saturday here at 2 p.m., there's an expert on inclusive language and inclusive thinking and how the different generations butt heads. Um, I've heard amazing things about this Dr. Singh Jita Gupta. She's of UCLA. Um, it says to sign up by calling the church. 
deep breath. I think that's it. I think that's all I got for announcements. And you can check your, your bulletins for more. Um, would you stand with me, please? And I'll lead us in our call to worship. Today it comes from Psalm 113, verses 1 through 3, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Go ahead, praise the Lord, all you loving servants of God. Keep it up, praise Him some more. For the glorious name of the Lord is blessed forever and ever. From sunrise brilliance to sunset beauty, lift up His praise from dawn to dusk. Let's praise the Lord.
send the children and youth forward, please. Good morning, everyone. I brought my friend Arnie with me today. And I have a bag. And what's on the bag? What's on my vest? Guess what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) So anyway, Arnie is here with us, and he would like to say good morning to all of you. So I know that you're going to be looking at, in your classes, the 23rd Psalm. So who knows what the 23rd Psalm says? Or basically what its title is. The Lord is my shepherd. (laughs) All right, let me read that to you first. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the darkest valleys, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, there's one word out of all of those that I want to look at. What word? My. Good, Kate, and you knew it too. Yeah, good. I, oh, you met me a long time ago. My, and the first line says, the Lord is my shepherd. What does it mean when you say something is mine, something belongs to me? What does that mean? Do you have things that you say, this is my, okay, Carter, what? Okay, good. Who else has something that, what do you have that's yours? It is bed sheets, all right, and those are yours. Okay, anybody else? Well, when we have things that are ours, that we say they're mine, we take care of them, don't we? You take care of your room, Carter? Okay. (laughs) That was a a hesitant. Do you take good care of your things? Because they're yours and they're special to you. Right? And, And I take good care of Arnie here because Arnie is very special to me. So he is, he is mine. You probably all saw the movie Nemo, right? And remember the scene where the seagulls are coming toward Nemo? And what are they all saying? 
mine, 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 mine. Because that was important to them. They wanted that, that fish. In this psalm, it talks about all the things that the shepherd does for the sheep. He takes them to green pastures. He gets them water. He takes care of them. He protects them from bugs that bother them and from wild animals that might come near. But do you know why he does that? Because they are his. These are my sheep, and I am going to take good care of them. And then when we look at that psalm, and we look at us as sheep, and God as our shepherd, what does that tell us? We are very special, each one of us. God loves each one of us, and he says we are his. And therefore, what does he do for us? He takes care of us. He takes care of all of our needs. And I have one other scripture I want to read to you from Isaiah. It says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. And through the fires, they will not overwhelm you. I am the Lord your God, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. That's the kind of God that we have. We can look at him as a shepherd who loves each one of us individually and will take care of us and take care of all of our needs, just like the shepherd does for the sheep. So let us have a prayer, and then we will send you off to class. Oh, loving God, we are so grateful to have you as our shepherd, to know that you are there looking over us, loving us, and caring for all of our needs every day of our life. Help this, these students to learn that, to understand that, and to be so very grateful to you for that love. Bless them as they go into their classes today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may go to class.
water you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise.
is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. As we sang that last song, the one line, if our God is with us, then what could stand against us? Just kind of reinforces the message of the 23rd Psalm that I was trying to convey to the children. With God with us, what can stand against us? As we go to our time of confession, I want to read from you from Psalm 32. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence in faith and in penitence. Will you pray with me? Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness. In your great compassion, cleanse us from our sin. Do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and sustain us with your bountiful spirit. Amen. Jesus said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinner. Jesus said, Come, follow me. We do so, knowing that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Do you stand?
Beautiful. This is our third in our series on Moses. Uh, first week we learned about the sovereignty of God as he Moses' story begins with God being in complete control, like in complete control over his life. Um, as a baby, he's put on a river, floats around, gets picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter hands over Moses back to his mom. His mom raises him until he's of age, goes back and is living in the castle. Then we meet Moses the outlaw. Uh, And he runs. And we talked about how God teaches in exile. Also, we learn that his first words that in the in the text are, "Why do you fight amongst one another?" And he's talking to Hebrews, fighting Hebrews. Um, and then he runs for his life, goes out into the desert. Like I said, um, and we learn that it's really important who we meet. God brings us across each other's paths for reasons. And he meets Jethro, who ends up being an amazing man in his life, a step uh, father in law. And then um, and then he's out in the desert. He's out he's outside of town, and the, the narrative goes back to the people in Egypt. And it says in the text right before what we read this morning that God hears the cry of his people. God hears the cry of his people. And then we have the text that I'm about to read, Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read 15 verses, starting with verse 1. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I, was turn, I must turn aside and look at and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. 
I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has, come, has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to him, to say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to, said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, this, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, we thank you for the man of Moses. We thank you for what you teach us about ourselves. More importantly, what you teach us about you. And all God's people said. So, Moses is, we, like, we, we've, we're seeing all these snapshots of, of Moses. And this one, he's a shepherd. Right, he's a, he's out in the. Who, there's it's it's vague on how long he's been out in the exile, but he's become a family man and he's off the radar. He's off the grid. There are several places in Scripture where I wish I could show up, and this is one of them. Are you with me? I, I wouldn't you love to be at this place? Like I would, I would, I would have loved to have seen this. Um, and been there. So we meet this, we meet Moses, he's a shepherd. Like shepherd, like Sharon was teaching, they're going to be studying uh, Psalm 23. Who wrote Psalm 23? Who, what was he, his profession before he became the king and all that stuff? He's a shepherd. Makes everybody in here want to be a shepherd for a little bit, right? <laughs> it seems like there's something to that. Right, he, they mention the father-in-law Jethro. He's tight with this father-in-law Jethro. 
He's out and he's an explorer. And he's slowed down. And shepherds are patient, right? He's a totally new, he's a different human being. And he's cruising out, and then we all have read this a million times. We've all been told this a million times. If you've ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt, you know this thing inside and out. This is, what you may not know is, this is the beginning of the Old Testament. The first five books are known as what? The Pentateuch. They're also known as what? The Law. They're also known as what? The books of Moses. Moses and his camp wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Joshua. (laughs) One day, make sure everything go over. So I, I, I run, uh, this blew my mind the first time I wrapped my, like it, first time it hit me. I was sitting in an Old Testament class at Biola University, an Old Testament professor trying to trip everybody up, and they said, where does the Old Testament begin? Some people said Genesis, and he said, wrong. And then some people say Job, because Job was probably written before all of it. Um, but he said, wrong. It's this moment. It's God meeting Moses at the burning bush introducing himself. We'll get, I, I, that just blew my mind, so I wanted to share it with you. Um, and it kind of opens my, it may, that's another reason why I wanted to be, I want to be there. And I want us all to just right now, just pause whatever we're thinking about and interject, it, be at this place with this man. He, he's a shepherd. He's patient. Um, what happens? He sees a bush. He sees a bush that's burning, but not burning up. He gets closer. And he's, he's interested. He's seeing, what, what's happening? What's this? this is, has anybody hiked? Ever? Everybody has hiked, right? At least once or twice. Have you ever come across a bush burning, but not burning up? Right? This is not normal. He knows that his spidey senses are going, and he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on, but he knows something is different. This day changes everything. This changes everything for us. This is our history, too. This is our book of Moses that begins right here. And we, we learn a couple things about God, and we learn a couple things about humans, man, woman. He gets closer. He's an explorer. He's patient. He's slowed down. Bush starts talking. What? <laughs> Bush starts talking. The, the Bush, what does it say? First... He knows Moses' name. He knows Moses' name.
when you're asking, what does it mean? Mine, mine. He knows your name. He's personal. The first thing we learn about God in the Old Testament, and this is the very beginning of the Old Testament, is God is personal. I I started as a math major, got a call into the ministry um, through a huge grace event, and I've probably told you about that a billion times. Then I said, I I think I want to be a pastor, a missionary, something like that. So I went to Fullerton College on my way to um, Viola and then Fuller. uh, But at, um, at Fullerton College, I remember... My first day in this philosophy class, this intro to philosophy, and it changed. I was a religious studies and philosophy major after this class, but um, the, the classic question of philosophy is, is there a God? Like, is it more probable there's a God or not probable? And you talk about it, and, you, and once you've said there is a God, the next question in the kind of order of importance is, is our God, is, is God a good God? What does this text say? This text says, no, he's not a good God. He's a great God. He's a personal God. He's a loving God waiting to burst forth into your life and my life. Kind of jumping ahead. Okay, so here's the burning bush, knows his name. Then what's he say? Take off your sandals, for this is holy ground. When's the last time you took off your sandals, took off your shoes and your socks? Are you a shoes person or no? Sandal, there's some sandals. I heard some socks and shoes, folk. I suggest, just as an offshoot, go to some place that you know God usually meets with you. Take your shoes and your socks off, your sandals, whatever you're wearing, and put them there. Some theologians camp out right here and say, the reason why God asks Moses to take off his shoes is not only because it's a holy place, but it's also to reconnect with his humanity. Reconnect with the truth that there is creator and created. Ground yourself in the truth that God made you. Keep cruising. What else happens? Then we hear that God has heard the cry, the misery of his people. What does that tell us? He cares. He's listening. Have you ever been in a prayer closet or just in a room praying 
and feel like you're talking to a wall. Me too. It takes a church to raise a Christian. It takes a church to raise a pastor too. I'm just as messed up as you. Just every once in a while I need to remind you. I'm just as messed up as you. And this text is to us right there. Nothing escapes. We've already kind of made note of that. This is just making a nod back to Moses' origin story. Our God is sovereign. He catches everything. He catches those times when you can't even, you're so hurt you can't even speak. He hears that. He's personal. He hears you and I. And then he says, I've not only heard their cry, it's about to go down. I'm about to take care of my people. My people have been whipped one too many times. They've been enslaved one second over what I think is right. And he says, Moses, I'm going to take and I'm going to bring you and you're going to be my Muppet and I'm going to rescue my people. Mine. Ownership, like Sharon was talking about. I think people are starving to belong. Are you, do you agree with me on that? In this text, God is not hiding it. This is a place to belong. Not only that, but to belong with your maker is a step above belonging anywhere else. Keep cruising, otherwise we'll be here till four in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, and then he's... The, notice God has already said who he is. Right? Who is God? According to the, just when he introduces himself. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac. He's the God of your ancestors. He's saying this to Moses. He's... That's who he is. Moses, so humble. I love, like, that teaches, I'm gonna, I'll wrap it all up when I, when I get to the applications. But he says, what's your name, God? Let's say I walk back to my people. What's your name? Interject what I was talking about a couple weeks ago. Names mean stuff, right? Names mean stuff. What's Moses named? Up out of the water, which points back to Noah and forward to Jesus Christ. And forward to the Exodus event. When he's named it, you know what I mean? What's God's name? What an awesome question. I wouldn't have thought to ask that question. Would you have thought to ask that question? I bet you Dick Clark would have. 
There's some smart people in here, right? smarter than me, I think, and they would think of this stuff. They would think, what, what, what should I say? Who, who's your, what? Wouldn't you know, love to know, like, if you're with God, the first thing to ask is, what's your name? <laughs> anyway, um, what's your first question to God, you think? The correct answer is, why'd you save me? Just to give you the heads up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would just think, what's up with the platypus? Why'd you make bees so important? Anyway, because I hate those things. Um, but he thinks, he thinks of this question. He's, he's in the right frame of mind. I think it's because he's patient. He's all these things as a shepherd. He says, what's your name? What's God's response? I am who I am. I am who I am. I think that's more than what Moses bargained for. Right? What does that name mean? I was looking at uh, some commentaries, and it's, I am who I am is a really good way to put it. Another way, he's a, uh, one commentator said, I am he who endures. Is probably more accurate to a translation. I am who I am. I am who endures. Back to the philosophy thing. Um, this is 13th to 14th century B.C., Around 300 B.C., there's a guy named Aristotle. And he logically comes to a conclusion without Scripture to a similar name to God. Through reasoning. He noticed... He noticed he notices that everything in the world is moving. And he also notices the order and all this stuff. Um, but he postulates, deduces from the fact that everything's in motion that there had to have been an unmoved mover that pushed Isn't that interesting? Totally different part of the world. Totally not from God's mouth like Moses, but the same exact name. I am who I am. I am he that endures. And then he concludes by reminding him, or the text that we're serving, uh, we're looking at today, he reminds Moses, I've already told you who I am. I'm the God of your ancestors. I'm the personal God. I'm the God that's right here, right now, speaking straight to you. Applications. 
What do we learn about ourselves? What do we learn about God? Um, I'll start with what we learn about ourselves or what we're challenged to this morning. Slow in patience. In a society that's running fast, this is very countercultural. But I also, I want to commend you because a lot of you in here are retired. Raise your hand if you're retired. That screams to me, slow and patient. Right? I've driven behind a couple of you. You guys are slow and patient. <laughs> but I think that's, that puts you ahead in God's game. Honestly, that puts you ahead in God's game. Moses may have missed it. Moses may have, may have not been the first. Like, if he had been doing something else, you, you want to postulate and all that stuff. The key, the key ingredient is in, in Moses, there's a couple of them. One of them, and the first and foremost of them, at this point in his life, he's slow and he's patient. And he's humble. He's humble. And I think I've said this before. Being humble doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less often. He's slow, he's patient, he's humble. And what's that... I think this is the, the crucial one. And I think this is the one that we're about to be stretched in as we finish out this, this church visioning. Willing. Willing. Notice he's outside of bounds. As I mentioned, like usually he's with his sheep this day. For some reason, hey, Let's go up a mountain. He gets with his sheep and he's, he's leading his sheep up this adventure. He sees a burning bush. What's he do? What would I do? I don't know. Maybe I would run. <laughs> why is this thing burning and not on fire? You know, why is it not burning up? What does he do? In towards it. Willing. Are you willing, PCC? Are you willing, Presbyterian Church of the Covenant? I know you're patient. I know you're wise. I know you're humble. Are you willing? And then the key and the biggest parts of this text are what we learn about God. He hears you. People, the, the noise can rise and the crowds can question and they can doubt that God hears you. Take it from me, take it from this text. The God of this, this book, the God of Scripture, hears your cries. The God of this book knows your name. The God of this book is the God 
His name is I am that I am. I am the God that endures. I am the God of your ancestors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, I thank you for the patience of the people that is the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. I thank you for their humility. I praise you for the way that they think of you and they think of others first. I pray that you would make us more willing. And as we bask in the truth of learning more and more about you by looking at your word, teach us over and over again that you hear us, that you're listening. You know us. You know who we are. You know our names. Thank you that you endure and are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And all God's people said, let's sing, Be Still My Soul. And as we continue in worship, it's the time of the service where we offer back to God just a portion of what he so richly blessed us with. And just to remind everybody, this is Deacon's Fund Sunday, and these funds, that the separate envelope that came in your bulletins, um, goes straight to those in need, those that are the least and the lost. And please uh, consider 
giving over and above what you usually normally give in tithe to those who need. Um, this morning's offering and tithes are now received. If you're listening at home on the podcast, please send your gifts, tithes, and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. beseeches us in Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, our, true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let us continue to worship the triune God by renewing our minds and inclining toward God in prayer. 
Holy and merciful Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the break in the extreme heat. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together freely this morning. You give us so many good gifts, if only we would pause to recognize them. Help us to practice gratitude every day, to notice the big things and small things that work out with very little effort from us because of you. Lord, we pray for a world in desperate need of you. Where do we start? Father, we pray for Ukraine and its citizens and continue to pray for a swift end to this war. The atrocities are painful to witness on the news, and it is unimaginable to us how those witnessing these atrocities from the war in person can cope. Protect each Ukrainian from physical, emotional, and spiritual harm. Sovereign God, we pray for all those feeling the punishing effects of tropical storm Fiona. We pray that Fiona will not grow into a hurricane capable of even more damage. Keep Puerto Rico safe as Fiona bears down on the island today. Bring help quickly to this ravaged island. We pray, too, for all in the path of this storm. Keep them safe, we pray. Gracious Lord, we pray for the final preparations to remember Queen Elizabeth and lay her to rest. Comfort all those who mourn. We pray for your protection for all who are gathering to be a part of tomorrow's momentous ceremony. Let us remember her life well lived in service to you, to her country, and to the Commonwealth. Father, we look around us and remember so many of our brothers and sisters who are no longer able to attend church. We pray for our loved ones who are homebound and in need of extra care. We pray that you would be with them in their solitude and provide for all of their needs. Prompt each one of us to reach out to those not able to attend, thereby keeping them an integral part of our congregation. Lord, we lift up Charlotte DeMott and thank you for a successful surgery on Friday. We pray for your healing, that she will be freed from the lingering pain. We pray that you heal the infection in her ear and restore any damage. Thank you too, Lord, for the church family members that care for one another in need. Merciful God, we grieve with Sandy Corbett, for her brother Larry's sudden and untimely passing yesterday. Be with Sandy, her mother, and her family as they come to terms with his death. Guide them in any decisions that need to be made and comfort each one as only you can do. There are so many unspoken needs right around us. We pray for those in the process of medical tests or treatments. Heal, Lord Jesus, we pray. You are indeed the great physician. May your peace that transcends all understanding be with those who are anxious today for any reason. 
And Lord, we continue to uphold Pastor Jason, Pastor Sharon, and our elders as they prayerfully seek your will in the visioning for our church. We desire to do your will. Guide us and unify us for the future that you have planned. And we continue worshiping as you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please join, stand and join us in our final hymn, The Church's One Foundation.
Mystic Sweet Communion. Wow. That was really, that's a beautiful hymn, right? Thank you, Cornell. And thank you, church, who we mystically commune with our ancestors, who's a part, notice that's a part of who God is, according to the text this morning. Before I give the benediction, I just want to point out, it's in your bulletin, but 17 years ago, this young lady over here was ordained uh, in this place. So round of applause to teammate Reverend Sharon Yagerlener. What a great team, right? We serve on a great team. We serve a great God with a great team. That's, they can't beat that. Um, this morning, receive this benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.